The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. To the two-man power trip of wrestling i am your host jp john paz and we are here again for another who is episode here on the two-man power trip empire joining me of course is the one man punch the doctor himself mr j dr jargo how you doing today sir i'm doing fantastic man it's been a, a bit of a crazy week but i always look forward to sitting down and doing this show especially with you and normally i have my favorite huckleberry rbv here but uh he, he's uh got a case of the dizzies he's got a hell of a migraine going on so we're gonna give him the day off and i thought yeah that's all right my list is long enough and i know he obviously has uh a list or he'll or at least a guy he already sent you so we'll we'll get his choice as far as who he thinks is the greatest puncher of all time which is the topic for today who is the greatest puncher who throws the greatest punch of all time so really who is the greatest puncher so we're going to get a, his choice hopefully we'll get his choice uh, he'll be back next week now this one is probably more open to interpretation than any other poll that we've ever done right but i got a bone to pick with you pause mm. where was the twitter poll from last week were you afraid that monami toyota was going to take out the fabulous moolah damn you know what I'm a day behind. I, I got to put that up. You're right. You're right. And, and it's funny. I was thinking about this. I knew I forgot some today because I usually save it and I have like a note and I usually do it and I completely forgot. Now I'm going to have to write myself another note. I'm going to have to put that up. I want to put Toyota up there. I want to see if she gets it. I, I, I went looking for it. I went yeah. looking for it this week. Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, I'll just see it while I'm scrolling or something. Yeah. But 15, 20 minutes before record time, I was like, oh, how'd the poll go this week? Did Toyota win? Should I can oh. I will I will put that up there and we will find out and we will dissect it and we'll see what the fans think. I wonder if she will win or not. That'll that'll be an interesting thing to see. I because who knows some of the fans because they might go, oh, Charlotte Flair, you know, who knows what they're thinking as far as just the total fan base. Well, see, and I always try to like whenever I see a poll, whether it be a poll that we run at, at TMPT, if it's something that Wade Keller runs over at the Torch, something that Dave runs over at the Observer, I try to like keep in mind who the clientele is, like who mm -hmm. the listener base is to these individual talents amongst the TMPT audience. I'm going to say that they say Mula. 
Yeah, interesting. They might go with me on that one because I, I, I thought Mula as well. With this topic, obviously, we're talking about greatest puncher. I have a pretty good list. It's funny, too, because I almost feel like I'm missing somebody, which I always feel like it happens because I actually got a message from somebody that, that does a uh, Japanese. Damn it, I forget their name, but I actually, you know what? I'll look them up right now. Um, actually, I won't mention until we, we, we basically they want, want to come on the show and talk about what we missed as far as some of the Japanese woman wrestlers. So I was like, OK, you know, it was like whenever that kind of comes up again, we'll definitely you know, bring you on and we could definitely d- dissect and discuss even further because they were talking about there's some historical stuff we missed and there was some uh, bunch of the Japanese. And I fully admit like, there's a couple of my I don't know, like Toyota. I've only seen a wrestle a few times, if that. Uh, I obviously know Bull Nakano and Asha Kong from their time here in, in the States, but I'm just not as familiar with uh, the Japanese women's wrestling. So just interesting. I want to bring that up to you that they had mentioned to me that eventually they'll come on the show, but I know they have their own podcast and they, they, you know, they know their stuff about women's wrestling. I know that. Well, whomever this person may be, I will extend to you a personal invitation, not even knowing who you are to come to Destino, a new Japan yeah, would, pro wrestling podcast. Would be a perfect will, spot. Uh, We'll, we'll talk some historical uh, Japanese Joshi wrestling, and uh, maybe we can uh, reevaluate the uh, five-star Grand Prix as that is now off and running. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to message them and let them know. But I just thought that was interesting. It's like, say, hey, uh, I I fully agree. I'm sure we should probably miss something. But there's always something. Even we're talking about great promo, great this, great. I always get a message like, oh, you uh, somebody messaged you didn't mention the nasty boys. We did mention for Grace tag team. We did mention the nasty boys. I just didn't think they were the greatest. Like you always get something and somebody messaging you and kind of getting on you. Um, my buddy said we didn't have Piper high enough on the promo thing. I mean, you, you always get something. And there's so much of it where when we're doing these shows, you know, we got like you know. 20 25 names that we're trying to throw out there and each one gets about a minute and a half you know so i i I mean there's a lot of these topics that at some point i would love to do another deep dive on kind of like we did with the uh who who is the real mr wrestlemania which became like a five-part series at a certain point so yeah I, i absolutely and you know, people can feel free to send me hate mail, too, because uh, I, I know my list is typically very, very different, but it's all about what you have been exposed to. Right. And it's like today, as we're talking about the greatest punchers, probably the earliest guy on my list is Jerry the King Lawler, because anybody prior to that, I just didn't see it in context. So it's really, really hard to form an opinion. So you got to take the the age grouping into it and then what our tastes are, what our interests are. But, you know, when, when you're talking somebody like a Mr. WrestleMania, which is clearly Shawn Michaels' pause, and uh, when you're talking about the greatest women's wrestler of all time, which is Monami Taiwoyo pause, uh, there, there, there's certain prerequisites, right? But when it comes to the punch... This is very open to individual interpretation. And it's funny you mentioned Lawler because even when I was thinking of this list, first guy I thought of, and then when I write the list, it's always like, who who am I thinking of? Lawler, first name I wrote down there. Man, one of those things where I don't know how some of these guys learn it. You hear like shooting interviews, Flair said he left the tissue, he punched the tissue, and he only wants the tissue to move so much. And, you know, the different things. I don't know how each guy learns to punch in different ways. But, man, I know Lawler was saying that maybe Jackie Fargo, a little bit of a help, and maybe some help along the way. But he developed. And it obviously it's each person developing their, their own style. 
he developed, I think, arguably the greatest punch of all time. What a puncher. And it's one of those things that it's yeah. such a lost art today. You go back and watch like, damn, it's, it looks even better because nobody can do it today. And the thing that is so weird to me, and I have asked numerous professional wrestlers this over my course of conducting interviews, why can't a luchador throw a believable punch? Like even Rey Mysterio, as great as his as he is, his punches look horrible. Like I feel like I could do a whole nother episode on the worst puncher of all time, and the correct answer would be John Moxley. He's got to be up there. Oof, I was gonna say, oh man, so many things that he just doesn't do that are great in the ring. And I know he's over, which which is the ultimate thing. That he, and then there's other things he does that I'm just like, holy crap, that looks amazing. So there's certain aspects of the game. He's got the charisma. He's over. But then there's certain things like, which is weird because he's like supposedly this tough guy character. Can't throw a good punch at all to save his life. So it's weird. But the I got to go Lawler. Worse, the only thing worse than the part. punches are the kicks with Moxley. Mm. When he's kicking away at somebody in the corner, stomping a mud hole in him, as Stone Cold would say. Barely hits him. Not believable. Not good. Oh, it's just awful. Just awful. But, I've got Lawler too on my list. So we're, mm. we're very, very comparable there. With uh, Lawler, obviously, he was the first guy I thought of. Such a great punch. And it's funny because we're saying, like, guys, for him, he's, you always feel like, wow, uh, Bill Curry threw a good punch. Uh, Johnny Valentine threw a good punch. But it's more the guys that I was more familiar with that I've seen, like, a million times or <laughs> that I've seen right. it so much that it's so implanted in my head. So there are obviously are guys pre-Lawler, but none of them really that that I'm going to uh, name on my list or none of them that popped in my head on my list. I mean, those guys I just mentioned, I thought of, but I always thought Lawler had a better punch than them. So I kind of started with Lawler and then worked my way forward. Interesting. I think the next guy that I'm going to say, because I wrote him down because you had it in my head and because I interviewed him last week. What about Disco Inferno? Number one on my list, Glenn Gilberti. I freaking I love the Disco it. punch, man. It's amazing. I, I don't know. Disco gets a lot of crap. Disco gets a lot of crap that he does not deserve. If you go back and you watch that era of Nitro, Disco consistently is the best damn thing on that freaking show. Consistently. And his work was always super, super crisp. Even when he, the way he would take bumps was always super, super crisp. And he was a bump machine. I, Disco is so criminally underrated and absolutely number one on my list of the greatest working punch of all time. It's funny. His protege, Killer Cross, has a pretty good punch. Now, I wouldn't put him on my best list or anything, but a pretty good punch, unbelievable. And Chris Bay, another one of his protégés, has a pretty decent punch, for especially for an X-Division guy that you don't kind of expect it from. He said he literally took the guys that were training at FSW in Las Vegas, and he made them train punches for anything. He's like, guys, you need to have a good punch. And it's funny, people don't think of it, but Disco had such a good, believable punch, and he was saying he did, didn't do the like the little flipper. He didn't like doing that or doing the elbow. He's doing the you – know, he's rearing back, and he's throwing the punch. He says that's the first thing you should really learn to master – as a wrestler and because you got to have good punchers because it looks like you're really in a fight and you wouldn't think about that from the disco inferno gimmick but glenn gilberti the guy the, the trainer is teaching that making sure the guys throw good punches so he was saying that all of his guys have good punches that he's trained glenn is one of the smartest guys inside of the world of professional wrestling that i have met since i have been doing podcasting that i never would have expected it 
You know what I mean? Like growing up a WCW kid, like you hated the Disco Inferno. Like everything about Disco was like super cheesy. He was the first guy who like figured out how to work the smart fan to me. Where it was like, even though I know what's going on, even though I know you're playing a heel character, I still want to see you get punched in the face. And that's why I became such a huge fan of the Disco Inferno. And he's absolutely right. When you think about what professional wrestling is at its core, it's supposed to look like a fight. And if you can't throw a believable punch, immediately you're taken out of that matchup. Disco was great at it, especially in contrast to the rest of the WCW cruiserweights at the time who were going in there and trying to fly all over and do as many crazy things as they possibly could. Disco just punch you in the face. With Disco, too, I thought this was very, very interesting. So behind the scenes at WCW, the guys, kind of like the undercard guys, you could say upper mid-card, not the main eventers, but the other guys, would get together and they'd say who had the match tonight or who, who had the best performance. So, I mean, we're talking about, and Jericho mentioned this when he was on Conan's podcast. So, like, it would be Jericho, Disco, Conan, Ray, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, they'd come together. And, and they said more often than not, Disco was voted having the best match of the night. So then you look at the other end of the spectrum, you look at Meltzer's star ratings, you never saw him up there. So no. it's funny. It's like what the wrestlers think, and they're going by crowd reaction, they're going by selling, they're going by this. I mean, it's a completely different thing than what Meltzer is looking at or guys that, that do star ratings and great matches. So nothing to say bad about Meltzer, but just say like the wrestlers are completely looking at other things like, can this guy draw heat? How is this selling? How did he register? Wow, I can't believe he got a crowd reaction from, you know, giving it a certain look. Or I mean, yeah. there's a completely different criteria from the wrestlers. And it's funny that all three guys are talking about that. Now, like, Disco used to be match of the night a lot. And, and and you know how many awesome guys are in WCW having awesome matches? The guys backstage thought Disco was one of the best. Was there anybody in WCW who drew more genuine heat? Like, I mean, there, there were other guys that got more heat, but like they were working for it. Like you could tell they were trying to get heat. Disco just had it naturally. Like he could just go out there, do his gimmick, do what he does. And the crowd freaking hated him. Yeah. And it's funny. He still worked Cody Rhodes even to this day. Yeah. Joking, met, like literally joking around, messing with him on Twitter. And Cody was like vehemently hated him for whatever reason. He got worked yeah. just like the, the fans. He got worked. Exactly. And and this is why guys like Tyler Breeze become my favorite professional wrestler. Guys like Switchblade Jay White become my favorite professional wrestler. The guys who can work the smart fans. And I think Disco was the first. Disco fever. You gotta love it. So Lawler, Disco, both were like one and two. Not necessarily the my like my favorite or the best, but the first two guys I thought of were Lawler and him when I did this list. The next guy I thought of, man, he might have the best punch. I absolutely love this punch. Six foot seven, 275 pounds, Scott Hall. Love that punch. I've got Scott Hall very, very high on my list as well. Um He is another guy that, especially with his size, when he would start throwing closed fists, 
like you thought the match was over, right? I mean, because Scott Hall would hit you. And I think it was more the windup. Like there's some of these guys where it's not even necessarily like the rock, right? I I've got the rock on my list. I feel like he's very much in the same kind of boat with Scott Hall where it was the windup, right? It wasn't even necessarily the punch. It was everything that went with it. It was basically magic, right? Like, I'm going to do this with this hand and watch it and it's doing all this crazy stuff. And then boom, I'm going to hit you with the other one. It it was just great. Absolutely wonderful. The rock and hall hand in hand. I had them right next to each other on my list. The rock has admitted that he got his punch from Scott Hall, which obviously people can tell. I mean, it's very, very, very similar. So he admitted when he first came up, he was doing all those gyrations and doing that. And he watched Hall punch like, man, this guy is just perfect. So he tried to emulate it. And he perfected it. I mean, he he copied it to a T because he throws an awesome punch. I just love that. And and then the wind up, and then sometimes when he spits on the hand, it does does yep. the punch. I feel like uh, Rock and Hall. I mean, obviously on anybody's list, they should be high up there. But I love those punches. I don't know what it is. It it's like the the size is is great too, just because they're so big and they're coming usually down on the guy. It just I don't know the way that they they are able to do that and be so big and obviously not kill the guy either. But it looks like they are is just masterful. Were you a Kiss fan, Paz? Yes. Okay, so I saw this interview with Paul Stanley recently, right, where he's talking about the very, very early days of Kiss, and their manager had set up a video camera in the back of the space so they could watch themselves perform, and so they're going back, they're watching game film, like it's a freaking sport, right? Right. And Paul Stanley realized that he was terrible on stage. Everything had to be bigger. All the movements had to be more pronounced so that you could see it from 300 yards away, not just three yards away. Scott Hall and The Rock and their punching style, very much the same way. It was so big. It was so flowing. And I feel like that's what really makes those punches stand out. Love Kiss. So I'm uh, over the summer about two years ago. And it's Seen funny nine times, baby. Nice. So funny, too, because going in, um, I think my brother had seen them before. He said they were obviously very good. But my buddy's like, oh, they're kind of mail it in. They're not that good. Man, they were awesome. I was like, you couldn't have been more wrong. I was like, they were awesome. The the uh, Going up to the ceiling, the swinging, the pyro, the fire, the music. I mean, everything is just perfect. If, if anybody hasn't seen a Kiss show, I would highly recommend it because not only is it good music, and, and hopefully you like the music anyway, but the show, the presence, the, the aura, the fireworks, the, the pyro, I mean, all that stuff put into one. Awesome. The, the video monitors, awesome show. I recently did a podcast with Rad Rob. Mm, yes. where we did kiss from 1974 to 1979 on his retro rewind show and i i brought this point up and it seems crazy was kiss like pro wrestling before vince bought the wwf you know what i mean like the stage the show the kayfabe i mean there was a bounty on those guys 25 grand to get a picture of them outside of makeup like it was it was pro wrestling in 1974 i always think that gene simmons and vince either have like the same mind or they're like would be good buddies because you always hear that they're tough businessmen but the marketing thing i mean they're so big on the marketing i know gene was a big pusher of that stuff like okay uh, you know we're we're all gonna have a gimmick okay but we're gonna sell lunch boxes we're gonna put pencils we're gonna do this we're gonna do that i mean everything in vince too would be like oh we're gonna have dolls and we're gonna have action figures and and we're gonna be on lunch boxes kid and he goes oh what about t-shirts well we're gonna be the you know pokemon is gonna be the best selling t-shirt of all time and you know it, it, that kind of mindset where gene simmons and him are so marketing and money centric 
but it's it's genius because if you're a fan and and obviously i got a bunch of stuff behind me of like wrestling stuff it's like you become such a fan you're like oh i want to get this i want to get that and they knew that in their heads like these are kiss fans these are wrestling fans they're going to want our stuff and it's not us being greedy they literally want our stuff so like if we made a t-shirt they're going to want our t-shirt because they're our fans they're our supporters so they just had a, a a genius level mind for for marketing and business with all of that said, let me tell you who is not on my list. <laughs> the demon. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say Vince because Vince had an awful punch too. Oh yeah. Well, Vince had an awful punch, but if we do a show for the worst punch, Shane McMahon might be number one. You know, it's so funny. I have him on my, who throws the best punch list. Not because I thought he had a great punch. I so I bad. It, it's almost so bad it's good i don't i always pop for that stupid like you know the, the, the little jab <laughs> and then his like overly done like uppercut like i don't like he really like, gets into it i have him on my list but almost like the last guy i wrote but really it's like almost like a jokey kind of thing just because i always pop for his punch i don't know why I, it, it gets me almost every time because it's so ridiculous it's the evil dead right like it's a 70s b movie it's yeah. so bad that it's fantastic yeah there's something about it it's like man i don't know why that pops me every time probably because he knows it's really bad like that in his head right? Right? yeah <laughs> he's not even trying anymore uh, what about oh you're, you're gonna say something because i was gonna throw out a name that i know is on your list well i was gonna throw out a name that if he's not on your list okay. I, then shame on you pause okay but i'm not sure that he belongs on this list i have him at number three behind disco and lawler terry funk Ooh, he's 100% on my list. Yes. But does he belong on the list? I mean, because like the famous quote from Mick Foley, you know, like, you want to know what made Terry Funk's working punch so good? He was actually fucking punching you in the face, right? <laughs> like it, it wasn't a working punch in any way, shape or form. We were watching, uh, me and Shane, we were watching the match on, on the Triple Threat podcast. And it's so funny. We're like, ooh, it looks like he got you there. Like, oh, that's great. And he goes, no, he potated me. Yeah, he goes, he definitely <laughs> did. So it's like so funny to think about it. It's like, oh, shit, because it looked like he nailed him. He's like, yeah, he really did. He goes, I remember. He goes, he he got me good. He said, it, like, stunned him for a second. Yeah, I mean, so does Funk belong on the list of the oh, greatest working punch? Because he wasn't throwing working punches. He was out there punching people in the face because he's Terry Funk, right? I mean, you like, gotta love that, that left-handed club though. I mean, that Oh just, my God. Love that punch. Yep. Very high on my list. Yeah. I've got him number three on my list, but I'm not entirely sure that he belongs on the list at all because it wasn't a working punch. Ladies and gentlemen. Damn, I forget who I was watching the match. It was like a 3PW match. Damn it. I'm trying to remember who was wrestling. It, might, it was incredible. I'm just trying to remember that for some reason they were like trying to time his punch and like almost go into the, his head, like as he's punching, put right. their head like into his fist. And he oh. he clocked like it was almost like the dumbest thing you do. It's like you're running into a, a, a moving train that's running. In, you know what I mean? It's, it's like yeah. you're, you're and I think it was credible. I want to say he like collided with him and he had to like take a powder. Man, like he he decked him, but I was like, that was kind of his fault because for some reason he like sold it forward <laughs> instead of going backwards. So he went right into the punch and Funk, oh, he got him. Yeah, and now with everything going on with Terry Funk as far as his health issues go, um, here a couple of weeks ago, I saw there was a lot of clips going around about Terry Funk, and I saw the clip of him with the horse. Did you ever see that clip where he threatens yeah. to knock the horse's ass out too? Yeah. Like. I bet you he would have punched the horse. 
he would have punched the horse and then PETA would have canceled Terry Funk. Hey, yeah, I don't think his uh quote unquote dementia is as bad as everybody's saying because uh he's Terry, he was yeah, he was senile in 1973. I think these people are getting worked yeah, by the by one of the greatest work. By one of the greatest of all time, you bet. Shane always says a great story, and, and Mike Ripbreck said the same thing. We're like, he, he's being crazy, he's saying all this stuff, and he, he's whatever. And then all of a sudden, he'll whisper something to them, like to kind of let you know that he's he's with it. And they're like, and then he goes crazy against you. Like, he's what, like, what is he happened? working? Yeah, like, is he working me now? Like, <laughs> you know like, what? what? You, you said the magic word pause. If this was Pee Wee's Playhouse, he'd be back there freaking out right now. RBV. His number one, he tells me, Little Mikey. I can only assume that's Mikey Ripwreck. Wow, okay, yeah. He did have a pretty good punch. He did have a pretty good punch. I didn't even think about it until RBV said that. It's interesting. He didn't get to throw a punch for like a year. He got beat up every every match. Is that one of the greatest gimmicks ever? I mean, because when Mikey finally won, that place came unglued. Yep. Say it ain't so. Incredible stuff. If you think about that, like psychology wise, it's like for him, it's like, damn, like I know I'm a good wrestler. I know I could wrestle, but for some reason, Paul, I know he's really young to the business at this point too. So it's gotta be like a mind fuck a little bit. It's like Paul only wants me to get beat up and sell and register and just get beat up all the time. Like I could do more. I'm a good athlete. I'm a good wrestler. So it's kind of gotta be a little weird, but then once the payoff happens, I know that he was probably like, okay, Paul's a wrestling genius or has a great mind for wrestling. He knew what he was doing the entire time. It's kind of like the New Japan Young Lion thing, right? I mean, like, could you imagine if a Young Lion ever actually won a match? Right. The place would go nuts. True. It's different. Definitely different. And Mike Ripwreck did not make my list, but I'm writing that down because I do think that that's a, a good choice. Guy that did make my list very high. I'll see if he's on yours. Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Interesting. I did not have Double J on Whoa, my list. why the hell not? I did not. You know what? I... I, this is where the bias comes in, right? Because I, I'm trying to think even now as we're sitting here talking, what's my favorite Jeff Jarrett match? I can't tell you. I can't tell. You. I just I never got into Jeff Jarrett as a performer. Like I, I, I have mad respect for everything he's done inside of the business. Don't get me wrong, but as a performer, he was just never my cup of tea. Damn, I can't believe that. I love Jeff, and obviously he's doing really, really well with the podcast. I think it's either number one mm-hmm. or top five with his podcast, doing great. I was always a Jeff Jarrett fan. I just love that punch. It's very Jeff, uh, Jerry Lawler-like as yeah. far as the punch, and you know that he got obviously influence from him. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, like when you talk about the podcast, is it any surprise that Jeff Jarrett is a great podcaster? I mean, that that's a guy that could literally sell ice to an Eskimo and he's been around inside of the professional wrestling business literally his entire life. So, I mean, that guy's got stories to tell. I'm not surprised at all that Jeff Jarrett has become a great podcaster. What do you think about that punch, though? Do you like it, though, when you think about it? Yeah, absolutely. But I think you're absolutely right. Very much like I have Scott Hall on my list higher than The Rock. I would right. Jerry Lawler higher than Jeff Jarrett because – it wouldn't surprise would it surprise anybody whatsoever if he just sat down and watched videotape of Lawler for weeks and how he threw his punch and then just trying to do a half-assed version of it? Right. I mean, like that totally seems in Jeff Jarrett's wheelhouse. 
Yeah. And definitely a big influence is, mm-hmm. is Lawler on him for sure. And especially at that time, I mean, just think about it. I mean, even as a kid, he's running around in locker rooms with Jerry the King Lawler. With the next choice of mine came to mind pretty quickly. I absolutely love this punch. Love everything about this guy. Oh, yeah. The macho man, Randy Savage. Love that punch. And then I, I love it even further when he elevates and almost like a pitcher gets up on the one leg and then comes down with it. Almost like he's on the mound throwing a pitch. I love when he does the extra added bonus when he kind of winds up a little bit and then really gets it. But I love that fist. I, I just love great puncher. The thing about Macho Man's punch that to me is so different than a lot of these guys, when Macho Man would do that wind up, which ironically we now know of his his history with baseball, right? So it really is a wind up, but he would like measure it. And it was the precision of the punch. You could look at Macho Man's hand and you knew right where he was going to hit that guy in the face. Like it was slow, it was methodical, and it was planned out. Everything was so deliberate about the Macho Man's punches. Whereas we talk about the next guy on my list, I have Vader, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Vader was just throwing hands. Like Vader would just punch you anywhere, everywhere, and you just better be ready for it. Macho Man would like, he would just really look at it and you knew that fish was coming right between your eyes on the forehead i did have funny i had vader and macho neck and neck right next to each other as well yeah macho man i always loved the intensity of it it looked like he was mm-hmm. killing the guy i, I love the wind up for the baseball but vader on the other hand i just loved it because he was probably legitimately was killing the guy yeah, he, he might be in the clubs. terry funk category right yes. uh, especially if you go back and watch a lot of his japanese stuff he was out there just freaking throwing hands and Vader as big as that guy was, he's one of those guys that you wonder if he even could throw a working punch because you get that arm moving that fast. There ain't no stopping it. And it's funny. Some guys you hear millions and millions of stories didn't want to work with him too rough. He just didn't even like the, the enhancement guys didn't like taking punches from him. They didn't like working with him, but Stiff. Almost too stiff, but guys like Sting and McFoley like loved working with them. They loved that style because he said it looks so good and it was so tight and they liked being snug and stuff. But you know he's really laying in some legit shots. Yeah, absolutely. And how much of that is just the Japanese style? You know what I mean? Because I mm-hmm. mean the the whole strong style thing. The next two names on my list are both Japanese guys: oh. uh, Shingo Takagi and Minoru Suzuki. Um, Shingo Takagi, but I did have Minero. I love his punch. Shingo throws that crazy jab just like out of nowhere that I just think looks vicious. And if you're not familiar with Shingo Takagi, the the current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, go watch some Shingo matches from this year because he is having himself a year. Uh, Shingo might be the best performer in the world right now. It's it's just he is going absolutely butt nuts suzuki on the other hand there's a little bit of macho man right like if Mm -hmm. suzuki's gonna punch you in the face you're gonna be waiting for him to punch you in the face because there's a nice big wind up and then he just flattens people with that punch with minero suzuki who's on my list i just loved obviously you know he's he's known legit tough guy legit shooter obviously legit one of the pioneers of mma uh, was a real fighter, obviously, for many, many years. Has many wars against uh, the Shamrock Boys, etc. With him, 
I always go back to like, okay, he's like a legit tough guy. I wonder, do you think that plays a role into like, okay, they didn't have to throw a real punch that they could definitely throw a good working punch as well. Do you think that plays a factor? You know, it, it's interesting because when I think of guys like, I mean, Kurt Angle had a pretty good working punch. Shamrock had a pretty good working punch. Like, I almost wonder if with some of those guys, like they're scared of throwing working punches because they don't want it to look like a working punch. You know what I mean? Where they're kind of in their head about it. Suzuki doesn't seem to have that issue whatsoever. Suzuki just go out there and blast people. And especially inside of that New Japan context, when they're doing the fighting spirit right in the middle of the ring, just smacking the crap out of one another, you get like Minoru Suzuki and Yuji Nagata in there throwing hands, which is the feud that I never want to end. I mean, those two guys, it's just they're beating the snot out of one another. But you can tell it's still a working punch because if Suzuki would actually hit you with his knuckles, you would be on the ground. He's very careful about how he, he catches you with the forearm as opposed to a, a closed hand right to the jaw. What about back in 2014, the G1 AJ versus Minoru Suzuki and that finish with that punch? That is one of the best, not only punches, but sell jobs too. And I love that match. Easily, easily to me, the match of the year. I know, quote unquote, it got 4.75 stars from Meltzer, not five stars. Dude, it was the best match of the year. I would give it five stars all day, every day. Awesome match. Anybody hasn't seen it, go seek that one out. G1 uh, from 2014, AJ Minoru Suzuki. Can't believe it was that long ago. Jesus Christ, the, the, that many years ago. But man, that finished that punch that he nails him with and the way AJ buckles and his knees buckle, not your traditional fall over and sell, like how you would probably really get knocked out in a real fight. So memorable, so great. And that's one of those things. It's like the simplicity of a punch, but man, did he come out of nowhere and he nailed him with it. American fans not familiar with Minoru Suzuki's work. Like, just go back and watch the catalog. He is the most terrifying man in all of professional wrestling. I mean, like, no disrespect to Kevin Sullivan when he was doing the, the gimmick down in Florida. Suzuki is literally the boogeyman. I look under my bed for Minoru Suzuki. I, I like him being on a completely different continent than me. If he ever does come over for an AEW appearance, I will be checking closets and locking doors because that guy just terrifies me. <laughs> what about... And I know he's probably not on your list, but since I kind of just mentioned it before, I always loved this punch. I love the wind-up, too, because it got the crowd into a total babyface wind-up. What about the Stinger? I always thought Sting had an awesome punch. I didn't have Sting on my list, but I, I can see what you're saying there. Uh, Sting, had you're right. He had that big wind-up where the fans could anticipate it. They could feel it coming. Yeah, Sting might actually be a really good candidate for this list. I didn't even think about that. And I think it's just because when I think of Sting, I think of all the other moves. I think of the Deathlock. I think of the Stinger Splash. I think of the, the Gorilla Press Slam. Like, I, I don't think of the punch right offhand. But no, that's actually a really good one. What about the Nature Boy? What about Ric Flair? Love that punch. I, I do got the Nature on here. I have him down the list a little bit because I, I always felt like his chop was much better yes. than his punch. Yes, much much more known for the chop. Yeah, uh, but was it that ESPN 30 for 30 that they did on Ric Flair where he does like, you know, that three, four minute monologue about how to throw the working punch? Yep. One of the most fascinating things that I've ever seen inside of a wrestling documentary. So cool. And like to, to punch the tissue, whatever the heck he's doing, I mean, barely moving, like, but it looks like he's killing it. Like, 
Great. It's something you got to practice. It's something you got to work on. Obviously, he did. Yeah. Yeah. He, he worked on it a lot. Another guy on my list. I can't believe it took this long to mention him. You know it's coming. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Hulk Hogan. What a memorable and awesome punch the Hulkster had. The only thing the Hulkster ever punched was the inside of his other hand. Come on. It's not the beauty of it. I, I, I sh- Come on, man. I love that punch. Oh, man. I I wish Jerry Lawler would hear you say that. See what <laughs> Jerry Lawler thought of the Hulkster's working punch. I mean, the sequence getting to the working punch, that might be the greatest ever, right? That right. It'd probably be between that and Warrior when he'd start shaking the ropes, right? Those two, the no, 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 and going into the, the, the big boot and everything. Uh, I, I understand why you have Hogan on here, but I mean... Is Hogan the one guy who would make both lists the greatest working punch and the worst working punch? Like, would he make both lists? Possible. He's He could possibly, except for the IC title, although remember I found that picture of him holding the IC title. He might be on every list ever, like of anything. We could probably throw him on there. It's funny. I was talking to Ben Hameen. We were talking about like bestseller. Like, and obviously we've talked about it on the show, but he's Hogan kept coming up and he's talking about who's the best at like pulling themselves up and like the Hulk and like Hulk keeps coming up everywhere with all these lists. What about, and I know you're, you're going to agree with this guy. He's got to be on your list. I know Hogan, you don't agree with because you're saying he could be on both. Steve Austin, Stone Cold. I I do have Stone Cold on my list. Um, and, And Stone Cold is a little bit lower than I even thought that he would be because of the guy that I thought you were going to go to that, Austin was around at the same time. And that's Brett, the Hitman Hart, whose name Ooh, also right. keeps popping up on all of these lists. Right. Yep. And the IC title one. Yeah. Uh, but the thing with Austin, like Austin's punches were really good. They weren't anywhere close to Brett's. Like, I was going to say, I, I probably should have Brett hired because I used to love me some, cause I have them neck and neck there, but I might put Brett above. I just love Brett's punch. Yeah. Brett. And it, it's kind of the opposite of like the, the Scott Hall and the rock punch where there there's not a whole lot of wind up. It just looks violent and there would be a whole bunch of them in succession. And I, I just, I think it was the body language going into it where Brett kind of looked like he was bringing all of himself down on you. I, I really Brett Hart, very, very high on my list and Austin while on my list, not as high, because of Bret Hart. Austin, you got to love the Luthes press into the punch, too. Mm-hmm. I used to love that. What a different kind of variation and think about it, but always would pop the crowd. Anytime you start throwing punches, like Austin, punches and bunches, if you will, I mean, he would pop that crowd huge. But it was the middle finger between the punches that really, really got the guy. Like, he'd light him up three, four times, yep. give yep. him the double bird, and then light him up three, four more times. Like, the punches were good, but the double bird, that's what would pop the crowd. It's funny. They always say the WWF, like main event style is more punch and kick. And they'll say, say elsewhere, it's more like the work. And you went from stunning Steve, who was like such a mad technician, such a proficient wrestler when he was stone cold, much more like, you know, for, for the people, the blue collar champion, everything else, much more punches and kicks, but his punches were so good. And when he would, you know, really, really kind of be on the comeback or really kicking the guy's ass and stomping the mud hole and walking the dry and that whole thing. I mean, it, his punches got so over. It's like, who cares if he's not doing all these stunning Steve moves anymore that he, he quote unquote isn't wrestling the same and, and isn't working the same. He's still awesome. 
and it's that main event style of punch and kick for the WWF. He just he couldn't. I mean, after the incident with Owen and what happened with Austin's neck, changed he, style a bit too. Yeah, yeah, he he became much more of a walk and brawl. And who would have thought that the walk and brawl would really get over? So, another guy on my list, not very high, but obviously in in the same era of those guys. I always enjoyed the Undertaker's punch. I do have the Undertaker on my list and shout out to baby brother because I also have Kane on my list, even though Kane's wasn't really a punch. It was more that throat thrust, right? Yes. Yep. I mean, both of them just absolutely fantastic. And is it wrong that I can just like envision in my mind, Mark Calloway and Glenn Jacobs sitting backstage working, punching one another. Like I, I could just imagine those two guys like, Oh, if you potato me, it's okay. Like we'll, we'll, we got to get this good. You know, like I could just see those two guys throwing hands at one another, hopefully not hurting one another. What about the American dream? Dusty Rhodes. He also had a phenomenal punch and the part of his comeback was the, you know, the jab, jab, the flip, flap and fly. Just love Dusty Rhodes punch. You know, funny enough, I have Dustin Rhodes higher Ooh, on my list. Wow. Than I have Dustin, Dustin. Wow. Uh, that drop down punch, right? Uh, I mean, that, yep. and now Cody's doing it too, even though it doesn't look nearly as good as Dustin's. Right. I have always thought Dustin had a great working punch. Dusty, yeah, very good, but I, I've always liked Dustin's more. Another guy I had on my list, very, very high, and I forgot to mention him earlier and probably should have. I probably wanted to mention him near the top. Because he might actually end up winning it. I got to kind of rethink it, but he's definitely up there. Bobby Eaton. Beautiful Bobby Eaton. Beautiful Bobby. Yeah. I, is he like the most talented guy from that generation that just never quite made it to that level that you thought he was going to make it to? Yeah, for sure. I would think. But why? What happened worker. there? I guess just because the promo, I guess, really, he couldn't really, it wasn't strong on the mic, wasn't really a good promo guy. I think that's really the reason. So another guy on my list who I guess is kind of in that same boat is, is Bobby Eaton on your list. But is Bobby Eaton on your list? I did not have Bobby Eaton on my what? list. What? I should have. I should have. When we're, I'm trying to make these lists like 20 minutes before we start. Pause. Throw me a freaking vote, right? Um, but Cesaro is on my list. And I feel like Cesaro, Bobby Eaton, kind of the same person. Like, they're really, really good in the ring. There's no reason that they've never gotten into that main event kind of scene. They're arguably the best worker in the freaking company. It just never seems to happen for those guys. But that, that Cesaro uppercut has been the thing of legend for the better part of 15 years now. What about, a th obviously, current guy, recent, uh, I guess, a hot topic of a lot of AEW news. What about Daniel Bryan? I always loved his punch. Daniel Bryan is a very good one. And I always like the. It seemed like something changed with Bryan's punch. Like, is it me or does it feel like there's a difference between the American Dragon Bryan Danielson's punch and Daniel Bryan's punch. Like, it just doesn't seem quite as aggressive. He used to do that thing where, he, almost savage-like, where he would come down on the guy's head, like with the fist. Right, like measure it. Yes, measured punch, measured punch. Very Macho Man Randy Savage-like. He hadn't really done that much as, as Daniel Bryan. Maybe when he was doing that weird uh, heel thing. Um, vegan Bryan? Yeah. The evil vegan? 
Yeah, but right since like ROH days, I used to love the old school one. Yeah, you're thinking this guy's such a proficient technician, but no, he was so measured and and, and technical on, on the punch. He would really get that good. And I love when the guys do that fist and they get on top of you, and and drill it down. I love that kind of punch. Yeah, I haven't really seen much of it, but I I had one of the first not the first guys I thought of, but when I was writing this list, I had him in mind. I'll have to put that number two on my list of things I want to see from the return of the American Dragon Brian Danielson, right behind. I got till five. I love that gimmick. That was my favorite freaking gimmick in ROH for years. Yeah. Which is so funny. Got that over like so silly, but he got it over. And then when punk did it to Brian in a match, I popped freaking huge punk actually pulled that in a WWE match where he told the ref I've got till five and I freaking lost it. I wonder if he was paying homage to King Kong Bundy there with the five count. Ooh, that very well could be. That very well could be. That doesn't surprise me. Anybody that I missed that I didn't mention yet? Um, Let me look at my list. Um, number eight on my list, I have Brock Lesnar. Really? Wow, okay. Um, okay. Not a fan of the Brock working punch? Uh, I am, but I, I don't know. For some reason, I didn't think of him as the best, but it, it definitely is a good punch. And I think it's the fear factor. Right. Like Brock Lesnar hauls off to punch somebody. You better hope it's a working punch. Uh, I, I, there's one that will always stand out to me. Braun Strowman made the mistake of kneeing Brock Lesnar in the head a little too hard. And Brock hit that dude. And I thought Strowman was going to drop. Yes, that was <laughs> that was awesome. And he, I, I forget what he said. He's like fucking idiot, or he yeah. cursed at him and said something and nailed him. Oh, oh no, he man. goes, he goes, slow down, you fucking idiot, or something. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. whopped him. Yeah, I, I very much enjoy that one. And the other one that I have on my list that we were trying to figure out who we didn't have on one another's list. Um, another guy who's not quite getting the press, but he should, and he's a good friend of mine. Notorious Shane Taylor. Uh, Shane Taylor's been working the one punch man gimmick for a very, very long time. The first time I met Shane was a couple of days after he knocked Keith Lee out, his former tag team partner on the independent scene with one punch Shane, uh, Shane Taylor's right hand, man. He's got that old school kind of Vader thing to it, where it's like, that's a working punch, right? Like you're not really out there knocking people out. Are Are you a Shane Taylor guy? I do like Shane. I interviewed him not that long ago. I do like him. He's one of those guys where hair coming up in ROH and, you know, ROH sometimes it's like, man, like who's the next guy coming up or do they have stars? Cause they used to develop stars like crazy. And then, you know, they would get them stolen. So it's like, man, who's like that next guy coming up that ROH has developed. Shane Taylor might be that guy. Cause he's kind of a, uh, you know, quickly making himself into a main eventer over there. Since the pretty boy killers split since Keith Lee, got knocked out by shane taylor i think shane's run has been better than keith lee's wow damn i mean when you really look at what he's been doing in roh and what keith lee did in nxt what he's been doing on the main roster in wwe i think shane's had a better run damn okay all right and a name that i did mention that's on my list that i should have rick steiner Ooh, that's a really good one. Um, and, and again, we're kind of going to the Vader thing. Like, I'm going to punch you as many different times as I can from as many different angles as I can. Like, things felt like a fight when you were in there with Rick Steiner. 
there was a time they could have put the WCW World Championship on Rick Steiner. Yeah, no people seem, seem times, to forget yep. that, you know. Yep. And then it just kind of went away because they didn't do it. Like there was this, he, it was kind of like the Daniel Bryan thing. Like there was a groundswell of support for Rick Steiner, and they never went to it. Dear AEW, you might want to pay attention because I'm afraid you're going to do the same thing to Hangman Page. Very true. If he doesn't leave. Yeah, if he doesn't leave. Which would be interesting. I got one more name on my list that I'm amazed has not come up yet today. And it's that dirty name that nobody's allowed to talk about. Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit's punch. I mean, and there was always like that sense of danger to Chris Benoit. Like the, and I think it was just the facial expressions. Like Benoit was just so intense that you knew if he hit you with that punch you're going to feel it and again kind of a macho man punch where it was very very deliberate it was very very precise it was very very measured and it absolutely had a purpose another guy that we didn't mention old school of course but you got to throw out the hard punch what about ox baker you know throwing his name into that just to get his uh his name out there not yeah. enough great old school heel obviously but the hard punch you know very very remember very, very effective too, right? I mean, he, even guys like ourselves that didn't necessarily watch it in context, we didn't watch it at its time. We all know about it. Yep. So, I mean, that, that, that has to put it pretty dang high on the list. So did we get through everybody on your list? I don't know if we, did we get everybody? I've got everybody off of my list. Pause. Did we get everybody off of yours? We did. The only name that I we didn't mention yet that I was thinking about too, because I loved his punch, especially because you mentioned Benoit. But I want to give him too much praise. My boy Kevin Sullivan. I always loved his punch as well, just because it always seemed like it was a little, like you said, dangerous or a little stiff, or that he was definitely um, like a loose cannon. Like this guy is crazy. Oh, he's really punching people. He's really nailing. Th- thinking about maybe uh, putting Kevin Sullivan up on my list as well. Yeah, I I could absolutely see Kevin Sullivan being on this list, especially. I don't know how much you want to talk about Kevin Sullivan, obviously. I mean, you do a show with him. What when I think of Sullivan in Florida versus Sullivan when he got on a national TV platform. Why didn't it click on a national platform? Like, I I feel like he is so underrated inside of this kind of generation that thinks that, you know, nothing really started in pro wrestling until Turner bought Crockett. He was saying he was very protected in Florida as far as like when he'd feud with Andre who comes in or a blackjack mulligan. Or Dusty, obviously Mulligan and Andre are huge. He said they would tell him not to sell. And because he's smaller, don't sell as much and and be on the offensive more because you're smaller. If you don't sell, nobody will think that that we're fighting a smaller guy. We're going to think that he's of the same size and of the same equal to us. So he said even Blackjack Mulligan, it was crazy. He said he was beating the shit out of him. Mulligan's like twice his size at least. But he said he would hardly sell for Mulligan. That was per Mulligan's orders because they huh. really want, they really liked him and wanted to get him over. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing too. It's one of those like Abdul the Butcher, like I'm not going to sell for you kind of like mystique or kind of thing to it. But it was those guys really pushing that. And Dusty saying, I really want to 
to do that and, and you sell less and me sell more because it'll make you, even though you're diminutive in size, you're only five, nine or whatever, but you'll seem like you're way bigger. So that could be part of it too, because I think he was more protective in Florida. I feel like you also just described Taz when he was in ECW. Yes. Yep. Not, you're not going to sell as much, which is yeah. smart too. I mean, it's they're good, but, but it's an interesting psychology standpoint because it's like, how does Andre, who's seven foot, go out against five nine Sullivan and it'd be believable? He said he chopped him down and he didn't sell. He said he hardly took a bump. It's like, that's weird. How could you do that? But that's how they managed it and how he made it look so good. And, and you know, obviously he cheat and, and use weapons and right. you know, he, even against Dusty, he, you know, make sure that he's bleeding and, and, and all this other stuff. So you're, you're going to use some, some chicanery and some shenanigans and some weapons. But I guess that's kind of the secret. You don't even think about it. You're like, wow, damn, like these smaller guys, like hmm. if the people that are working with them are liking them and want them to get over, they'll do stuff to make them look great. A la Taz and a la Sullivan. You're just not going to sell. Like you guys don't have the bump. We'll do the bumping. It's interesting because when I think back to our list of the greatest sellers of all time, number one on my list was Ray Mysterio. Who's about the smallest guy that you could possibly have. And you just got the snob beat out of it. What did Ray Ray ever like? No sell anything. Different psychology, I guess, for a baby face and for a heel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, that makes total sense. Interesting. and who I had up there was uh, Ricky Morton, of course, too. But mm-hmm. it's funny. So many people always mention Morton. Smaller guy, too. Very, very small. You know, smaller yeah. than Sullivan. So, it's Yeah, just, but, there, it's, but there you're working towards the hot tag, too. So the psychology yep. is different. And, and, and the underdog stuff. Yep. Yep. For sure. So let's get to the finish here. Who is the greatest puncher of all times? I got disco fever, pause. I wow. got Disco Fever. I got to go with the Disco Inferno. Damn, I'm, I'm surprised just when you think about who we talked about that you're going Disco. Although I can't really argue it. And Rick went with Mikey Riprack, right? Didn't you say? Mikey Riprack, yeah. Wow, that's a weird one. Weird. For me, I got to go with the first guy I thought of, the first name that usually happens. I usually stick with it. I got to go with Jerry the King. Got go with the at, king. I've got him at number two. If I wasn't going with Glenn, I would go with the king. So as far as this week is concerned, we will obviously set up the poll. When when I get done here, I'll remember to put up the women's poll. So to figure out who that is. And then the week after, we'll, we'll set up this poll to see is who is uh, the greatest puncher. So Whipwreck, Disco, and Jerry Lawler. Not sure how many times those three names will be mentioned together ever again, but they are on the greatest puncher list for sure. And we'll see who the fans think. So let's head over to the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. And of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Jargo, what do you got? Keep up with me across all social media platforms at not Jargo, hitting the marks.com, destinopod.com at destinopod. Just dropped the uh, five star Grand Prix preview this morning now that night one is up on stardomworld.com. So if you want to hear about the best women's tournament in all of professional wrestling, head on over destinopod.com. Nice. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for a little Who Is? right here on the Two Man. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. 
You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother. <laughs>